me see. I want to say something witty when I open the show, but I don't know what. Something witty. Well, I don't know. Maybe next week. <laughs> uh, this is Opinions Are Cheap, right? Yeah, it is. Yes. I'm Cameron, and you're Chad. I am Chad. Hello. We'll do the, the that thing that we do. We, we talk so well. We almost know the name of our show. <laughs> well, someone someone at work listens and they keep saying the title wrong. Oh man! Because he he's he's kind of a spaz, mm. and he'll get he's gonna fucking confused. hear this. He oh he knows. I tell him to his face. Okay. A lot. Hi, Cameron's colleague. How are you? So what we're we gonna? What, oh wait, the show started. We should talk it about did. something. We should. What do you want to talk about, Chad? My good friend Man. Chad that I love very much. <laughs> I've been I've been playing the Dark Souls, Dark Souls three to be exact. Oh, three. And, okay. Um, I thought you're I thought you were literally playing the first one. No, I don't have don't have that one. Um, my brother is is kind of gotten obsessed with the Soulsborne games, which to be fair, they're they're good games. That's not judging him for that. But he he kind of talked me through playing Bloodborne last year, and I I finished it beat all the bosses, and I was like, I'm never going to do this kind of game again. And somehow he twisted my arm into Dark Souls 3, and I'm having that same kind of thing where I'm just like, once I beat this game, I'm never going to play another one of these again. Because I don't I don't quite know how people find them fun. They're very difficult. Well, that is the fun, though, isn't it? I But I don't find that fun. Like, I spent an hour and a half going between two different bosses yesterday because I couldn't kill either of them. And then I ended the day and nothing was gained. Well, was nothing gained? I mean, I learned how to fight the one. Yeah. But it's one of those, like, cause, okay, I'm gonna, there's probably going to be some spoilers for Dark Souls 3 because I'm actually going to talk about the bosses. So, main boss of the first DLC is named Frida. She, at first, it looks like she's got the two phases. So, take take spit, I figure out her first phase, get it down, I end up killing her in the second phase, I'm like, sweet, I'm done. And then Joe's like, you might want to, you might want to step away from that body a little bit. I was like, oh, she's going to explode. Sometimes they do that; it's fine. Then the bitch gets back up and her health bar refills, and then she proceeds to two shot me. And, and I'm, I'm just like so defeated. I was like, this is like someone telling me Santa isn't real again, because I had spent you know 45 or so minutes on her, and uh, the thought of going back is not like pleasant, you know? Yeah, but now you know she does that. I know, but I also don't feel like I totally need to you know kill her like I'm, I'm not that invested well that's more of a problem i guess it's just it, the idea of balancing difficulty with fun is something i find interesting because it's very hard to do and then at one man's difficulty is another man's easy and another man's fun is another man's this is a headache what i mean i know uh it seems like dark souls and demon souls kind of brought back the idea of games being hard what like before that fad what was the last difficult game you remember playing oh that is a good question because i mean maybe something like like gears of war any any one of those games on like really hard mode i want to say gears of war 4 but that came out last year so it doesn't count um but if you play that on like the hardest mode it's very difficult you definitely have to inflate the difficulty. You know, it doesn't start out that way. Um, God, I can't. I can't really think of any like super difficult games uh, since Dark Souls. Yeah, I mean, but besides games where you have to manually set it to difficult, 
I don't have a track record for playing difficult games. Like I just, I'm not, I've never been that good. I don't think I ever beat Sonic the Hedgehog one. Right. I mean, yeah. Um, if you want to say like the last difficult game, you're you're going back to like Sega Genesis or Super Nintendo or something where games are really difficult. Yeah, I think as far as difficult games, the only thing that comes to mind is stuff like uh, maybe RPGs that you can eventually grind out the strength to do it, and it's not necessarily a skill thing. Right, and that's like that's a really weird difficulty because it's not it's a numbers thing. It's you it's literally artificial. don't have the numbers. Yeah, it's artificial. You don't have the numbers to beat this boss. Spend three hours fighting those weak guys so you get the numbers to beat this boss. Yeah, and you're not actually better at the game. You just technically, the math works out now. Right. And I I really don't care for most RPGs because of stuff like that. I find that, I just don't think it's good game design. Yeah, I'd agree with you there. I mean, World of Warcraft, when I used to play that, had some very difficult raid bosses, but a lot of that was dependent on teamwork and someone, you know, not standing in the fucking fire. That, and also like, uh, it takes time, but it sort of becomes the same problem where if you wait long enough, the boss will get e- easier. Sure. Um, it's not quite the same as like Final Fantasy or something, but yeah, I think there's really there's something special about the way the Souls games are designed, because it 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 handles difficulty, I think, very, very well. I, I, I agree. I think part of it is because the gameplay is so tight that when you fuck up, it is generally your fault. But man, sometimes that yeah. camera's an asshole. And that's um that's key, though, that when when you die, it should feel like you have something that you can do on your end to change it. Um, that's really important to game design is that you don't feel like the game's cheating you because as soon as it's out of your control it becomes a lot less fun to overcome. Right. The thing with Dark Souls though is that it can it can feel very obtuse in its difficulty. Like um, Nameless King who's an optional boss that I'm also on and very difficult. Uh, you first fight him he's on this big ass dragon. Dragon flies around. Very not great for the way the camera works in that game and it's very hard to judge distances sometimes so you're swinging in mid-air thinking you're right next to him and you're not um but you, you hit him in the head and you do more damage you hit him in, a, in the head enough times and he'll stagger and you can do a, a visceral or whatever a parry i can't remember what that game calls it and so i'm getting him to the point where i'm about ready to do this and i hit him a couple more times and he's not doing that and i'm like what the fuck why can't i do this my brother's like well you're kind of hitting him in the neck and not the head and so you have to hit him in the head to get that to work. <laughs> and it's like, what kind of horseshit is this? Like, it, it, it's it's right next to each other. You know, it's a, it's a, it's neck and its head are side by side. Like, why is it that specific? To me, that's not fun. To me, that's just a fucking course. It's Dark Souls. I have to move three inches to the right before I can visceral him now. And then he fucking killed me because, of course, he did. I think, I mean, I really liked Bloodborne. But I'm trying to think of the last time I, I really, like, hit my head against a wall on a hard game. And I'm thinking it might have been Metal Gear Rising, because oh, that has a difficulty where uh, like you can only get hit once, or maybe zero times. <laughs> and it's like, you have to ramp up to that. Right. And I remember I was practicing it so hard, and I was actually you know making progress, because it's, it's not impossible to do, but it's a, it is challenging, and you have to focus and I remember once, uh, I was right in the middle of it, and uh, my brother's taking a turn, and he was stuck on a boss, and so he asked me for help. And so he's playing on, like, medium, 
instead of extra, extra hard. Sure. And it was weird because he couldn't do the boss at all. And then I'm going through and I'm fighting the boss off. And then towards the end, he nicked me once and I got all frustrated and put the controller down. And then I looked up like, oh, wait, I still have health. Oh, I'm, I'm a god. And then it was like it sunk in like he didn't even know I was playing on that hard mode. And he was in awe that I didn't get hit yet up to that point because it was like a different game almost. Yeah. My, my brother's gone through Bloodborne on some of like the crazy ways, you know, where like you don't level up or you only level up to a certain amount or, you know, you're only going to use these kinds of items or whatever. He's, he's played oh, right, the game multiple right. times. And so I remember when I was first fighting Ludwig, who's the first boss of the DLC, and the first real big wall I hit, well, not the first, but one of the biggest walls I hit in that game, I spent hours on that boss. And I got frustrated and I went to use the bathroom and I came back and he was, he was fighting the boss. And he, he had it down so well because he had fought in this boss so many times on all these harder ways where he couldn't get hit because he would die. And he's just dodging everything and timing the axe just perfect. And then before he killed him, he let you know he, he let himself die because he wanted me to kill him. And it was... Yeah. It's, it's crazy. You know, I guess I was your brother in that case just like watching this. It's like, how the fuck are you dodging everything? How, do you, how can you predict all this? It's like, well... When he wiggles his nose this way, he'll stack this way. But if he wiggles his nose this way, it's like his nose is like falling off. He's a fucking zombie dog thing. Wait, what do you want from me? Oh, you know, I had a moment like that on WoW. Uh, I mean, I know some of the classes that you pick in Warcraft can really like, change what your kit is. But I'm playing on the Demon Hunter. And it's it's an interesting class because it's a, it's like a leather agility kind of thing. Mm-hmm. and naturally that makes them a little more squishy but they have interesting tools where they can negate damage or they can actually like leech life based on the amount of damage they're dealing and it's funny because sometimes you'll get into a situation where there's a world boss and I see people waiting like there's a group forming but they're not ready to try yet and like no we need like two more healers we just can't we're not even going to bother we don't want to waste the money on the repair bill Sure. And I'll go in by myself and just kind of pull it and I'm completely managing the world boss because of the the level that my gear's at but also the the unique kind of abilities of that class. And it's really funny like fighting a boss 1v1 while someone's yelling like stop doing that you're you're ruining it for everybody else. And it's like guys, you could jump in if you want, but I'm mm-hmm. doing this. Um, and it's just really funny to watch a bunch of people refuse to help because they're used to wiping and it's sure. like they're playing a different game or something. And it's like, well, no, it, there's two people there. This doesn't take, you know, it takes maybe two or three people, but I'm doing it by myself for now. You could jump in if you want and they'll just be stubborn about it because they, they know from their experiences how it's, you know, how it's going to go. Even if they aren't always right, I guess. Yeah. I always like the. I, you know, I played the bear druid having the uh, the heal on crits. Oh, yeah. Um, for tanking or for just like soloing shit that I should not be able to solo. Yeah, druid is great for solo. I really like being able to rely on yourself instead of just having to wait for someone else to show up and help. Yeah. Or just, I mean, in my case, before I quit, it was all, let's go to level 60 raids and see how far I can get by myself because I'm bored. And I yeah. have nothing, you know. Nothing better to do in this game anymore. Can't remember if we've talked about that or not. On well, the not on the podcast show. already. 
Yeah, it's it's something we no. we talk about World of Warcraft a decent amount off the show, so it's kind of hard to remember what we have and what we haven't covered. Um, going back to difficult games, I actually remembered a couple that are pretty, oh, yeah? maybe not pre-Dark Souls, but close enough. Super Meat Boy. Oh, <laughs> that's okay. That's a good one. That was um, wonderfully difficult and sometimes not wonderfully difficult, but still difficult. Yeah, there were instances where I felt like I was being cheated, but most of the time, and I think because it was so snappy, because you could die and start right away. Mm-hmm. So it's like, oh, I goofed up. Oh, I goofed up. Oh, I goofed up. Oh, I, okay, I got it. And that was a that was a good feeling. Yeah, they definitely the 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 risk reward system in that game is perfect. And just like you died, it's okay because like you said, just you snap your fingers, you're back to life. There's no waiting. There's no load times. It's, you're just you're right there. You can do this jump again. And I loved at the end of a level where it would play all your past lives, so you could see just how many times you fell in that one spot. Yeah, just like the saw gets more red as as it progresses. And then um, Ninja Gaiden 2 was another game I remember playing that was pretty difficult. And that one definitely had moments. for those. The second one's the only one I've played. Uh, I really liked it, but it's one of those games where it definitely had moments where it felt unfair. Like, there'd be bosses that could just combo you, you know, for basically zero to death. And there wasn't a whole lot you could do about it, so you just had to like hopefully avoid that combo, and hopefully they don't use it this time, which isn't fun. So, I'm thinking about Dark Souls. Do you think the appeal is just that it's difficult, or do you think they're well-designed games even without the difficulty? Well, I think they're well-designed games. Um, I- I've told my brother, it, playing Dark Souls or Bloodborne is kind of like getting used to drinking beer, where you don't like it at first. You're like, this tastes like shit. But you keep drinking it anyways because peer pressure is the only thing that's there. By the end of the night or the end of the game, you're like, you know, that was pretty good. I'm glad I did that. Um, but I think Bloodborne is a great game. I will probably never play it again. But I don't regret the time spent in hindsight. Now, when I was playing it, it was fucking frustrating, especially some of the DLC bosses like Lawrence or the Orphan of Koss would, you know, just wrecked my shop for a couple hours. Um, but then you beat them and you're like, oh, this game is great because I get it. But only after you, after you beat them, I feel like. Yeah, I think I feel the same way. Bloodborne might be my favorite in that genre, but I don't know. I think I finished the final boss once and just kind of completely stopped. I didn't touch the DLC or, or try a second playthrough or anything. It was like, oh yeah, I did it. I'm best at Bloodborne's and I just out of sight, out of mind. Mm-hmm. I think I think part of it is the attitude that surrounds the game, that whole get good aspect. And um, I feel like the fact that I beat Bloodborne means I at least have, and I've beaten a lot of really hard bosses in Dark Souls, so it's not like I'm bitching about early stuff in the game, like the Abyss Watchers. You know, I've beat the, the Twin Princes, I've uh, beaten a couple of really di- difficult optional bosses. So I, I understand the game, I understand the mechanics. I just don't always understand the enjoyment because I, this is not something I would normally ever play. Um, to me, video games, sometimes they feel like work and sometimes they, I just I just want to relax with them. And it's very hard to relax with this game. Um, I, uh, I just started Final Fantasy XV. And it's funny because I'm enjoying like fishing and driving for a little while and pulling over in a diner to see what they have. And then they'll have a pinball machine in the diner, so I play that for an hour, and then I'm done with the game. It's crazy. I just, I re- 
I, I remember when those games were hard. <laughs> it's like, oh, no, it's just whatever. Just relax. It's a road trip. It's crazy that, like, I mean, that reminds me of, like, like something like Animal Crossing, where the whole point of the game is basically to just chill in this town that you're making. You're not really doing much. Like, you're getting upgrades and stuff, but there's not a lot of game. You're not trying to beat something. There's no bad guy. You're, there's no, you know, you're not, no twitch aiming or anything like that. The the, the hardest there, thing you maybe do is fish. Yeah. And I used to, I mean, I, I, I've played a decent amount of Animal Crossing. I, I don't think I'd ever go back to something like that now. Um, there's just, there's so much media out there that I feel like if I'm going to play a game, it's got to, it's got to really feel special. And if, if the big deal to it is don't do anything or just chill, like I can do that without the video game. Go grab a book. Yeah, I guess that's true. It's, I don't know. It's interesting. Um, Talking about Animal Crossing and Dark Souls in the same conversation. Yeah. It's like the most video gamey of all video games, and then the least video gamey of all video games. I wish I wish video games would get shorter, too. Like, I've put probably 30 hours into Dark Souls now, and I've got, I would say, a good 10 to 12 to go. And it's like, fucking hell, this game is long. Well, it's funny, because, like, I think, uh, I think Final Fantasy 15 might actually only be, like, 10 hours long. If you do the story, oh wow! But That's it's like short for there's just so many game. like side quest stuff that it's kind of like you can make it as long as you want it. But also, mm-hmm. if you're done, you can just eh, wrap it up. There are a lot of games I'd like to replay, and the thing that kind of stops me is is the the time commitment to do it. Right. Like I'd like to. I wouldn't mind gunning through like Kingdoms of Amalur again, which came out how many years ago now? But you know, hack and slash kind of RPG. Uh, yeah. But man, the first time I played it, I put like 80 or 90 hours into that thing, and I was like, I can't fucking do that again. I don't have the time for that. Well, yeah, I mean, I used to spend about 200 hours per Pokemon game, and now I think on Sun and Moon, I haven't actually beat the League yet. It's kind of like, yeah, I got some of those new guys, whatever. Sure. It's like, I got, I got some fun out of it, and I stopped. I keep meaning, because I have Soul Silver yet, and I keep meaning to go back and like catch Mewtwo and all the other legendaries I've missed, because I've put over 100 hours into that game. And then I pick it up, and I play a bit, and I'm just like, oh yeah, I remember why I put Pokemon down. It's, uh, I don't think the gameplay is that fun. It's, it's a little weird. I'm not a huge fan of turn-based RPGs anymore. I used to really like them when I was in uh, high school. Um, I don't know if it's just the story elements, or... I, I had all the time in the world, so it didn't fucking matter. But I don't, I don't have the patience for it anymore. I want more, want more tactful feeling when I play a game, not just choosing an attack and waiting for the character to do it at his leisure. I, I like it when there's uh, weight to the choice. Because, yeah. um, like the problem with Pokemon is most of the time there's kind of like you'll, you'll get one good move. And it's always going to be, like, your fire guy gets one really strong fire attack, and you go to the grass gym, and so you just use that six times in a row. Yep. And it's kind of, it becomes tedious. Like, I'll actually turn off the animations just so it'll keep going. Yeah. And I appreciate, like, the rock, paper, scissors combat thing until you realize that all you really do is you get the Pokemon out that's the rock to their paper, or to their scissors. And you use their attack, so it, sometimes it's just you're just flipping back and forth between Pokemon, or you know you you give everyone a little bit of something so they have a rock paper and scissors, and 
it requires like a weird amount of thought, but also like not a lot of thought at all. Well, yeah, it's like you can put enough thought into uh, putting together like a really well balanced team, but then mm-hmm. when you do that, the game becomes a lot more easy, and it's almost yeah. uh, like the challenge disappears. So it's like, like, okay, am I supposed to purposefully handicap myself, or do I actually? Am I doing this wrong, or am I doing it too right? I remember when I when I realized I could teach Typhlosion, um, Sunny Day, and Solar Beam, which seems really weird because uh, you know Fire is good against Plant, and and Solar Beam's a, a Plant ability. But now it's like I did that, and it's like, oh, I guess I don't need to carry a Plant Pokemon around anymore because this guy does both. That's cool. Yeah, and that becomes a really solid combo, and then it's like the only thing that you do. Yep. And then or you teach like Gyarados like Rock Slide. Now it's like, oh cool, I don't need a rock Pokemon anymore. So it's weird that like the better you get at the game, the less fun it becomes. At least from a single player perspective, which is all I ever want to do in a Pokemon game. Yeah, but you know, that kind of uh I think the same thing applies to uh Dark Souls. Um, oddly enough. Uh do do you ever watch Oni plays? Uh no. But I think I know what you're talking about because my brother probably does. But uh he he's doing a like a playthrough of Dark Souls, I think one, and it's funny because he knows all the tricks. So what he's doing is running around without armor, and he got a weapon that can like one shot everything from behind, and so he's pretty much just like plowing through the game. He has all the shortcuts memorized, and he's like joking and talking while he does it, and just like one shotting bosses left and right. And it's just kind of a it's funny because it's not at all what the game looks like when I play it. Right. Like we were talking about before, where it's like they're playing on a whole different level that I don't even understand what's going on. Yeah, my, like I said, when my brother did the, uh, I think he did like a level four run or something, so he could level up four times and he was done. And, um, you know, he's fighting these really difficult bosses, and it's like, you know, he can get hit maybe, maybe twice if he's lucky. And so he's got to, he's got to do every fight perfect. And so watching that is. You know, versus me where I can, like, I have the health and sometimes the rally so I can tank these some of these bosses a little bit. I can take some hits, get my health back. The axe in Bloodborne is awesome, by the way. So much rally. I love the weapons in Bloodborne. They're great. The design in that game, like, the whole, it, just, like, all the monsters and everything, too. I really love the art direction in that game. Yeah, and it's got all the nice little crafty and stuff going on. Which is one thing I think Bloodborne excels at where Dark Souls does not, is, a uh, atmosphere and and world building like bloodborne i really wanted to see to the end because i was interested in what story there was whereas dark souls starts off it's very high fantasy with a cutscene, all these fucking uh proper nouns uh that i don't know because they're names and places and uh there's not a whole lot keeping me here other than my you know my, i live with my brother he really wants me to beat the game and and in uh, Dark Souls, it's like all the lore is behind the scenes. Yeah. Like when you grab an item from a boss, and it's like, oh, it's the Ring of Thalimber. And if you read the description during the loading screen, it explains half the story. Mm-hmm. And in Bloodborne, it's like you get the story as you play. And yeah, it's, it's still better at it. it's slightly convoluted, and you still have to kind of dig around for it. But it's present. And there's characters mm-hmm. that talk to you, and you actually want to know what's going on. Here's something about both those games that I do have a bit of a gripe with, and that's um, how their stats work. And they, I, I feel like they don't telegraph what things do 
as well as they should, especially with Dark Souls when you have all the magic you can use. So I'm trying to do kind of a part of a pyromancy build, and I have all these stats. There's probably eight or ten of them, and it, it's it maybe it's somewhere where you can read about it, but it it's like okay, I want to do this build. Where do I put the points so my fireballs are strong? You know, where do I put the points so my when I swing my axe it's strong? Because you got dexterity and you got strength, and there are dex weapons and there are strength weapons. And there's just, there's so many fucking stats. And there's a point where the no hand-holding aspect to it can be really kind of frustrating. Because I just want to know what this does. I don't want to have yeah. to experiment. Because there's really no room to experiment in that game. Because levels, you really kind of grind for them. And you really commit to it, too. Yeah. Like, my friend thought strength was all he needed. And he was putting stats into it. And then at some point realized he was using the wrong weapon. So he was like, oh, well, I guess I'm going to start using this other weapon that I don't like now. Because it's the only way to make use of what he leveled up. Sure. When I've had the opposite, where I find a really cool weapon, I'm like, sweet, I can't wait to use this. And it's like, oh, I'm a strength build, and this is a dex weapon. I uh, I can't use it. That sucks. And I think Bloodborne handled that. And Bloodborne still had that, too, where some weapons were more dex and strength oriented. And one thing I like about like, like, something like Kingdoms of Amalur which is obviously a fairly different league, but, you know, you got the hack-and-slash gameplay going a bit. Um, it's just, you can use fucking any weapon, it doesn't goddamn matter. Yeah, I kind of like that, too. I feel like that's more fun if I if you can switch around a bit. I know the hard games, because you, you wanted to talk about that Cuphead thing. You want to try and oh, yeah. clumsily you know, let's, transition. <clears throat> let's go ahead and do that. Uh, so, I mean, you watched the uh, that tutorial bit, right? Yep. So there's kind of this viral video going around of, let's see, uh, Dean Takahashi playing Cuphead. And he's a video game writer for Venture Breed. I'm sorry, I would Venture have sworn Beat. it was Polygon. I'm so disappointed. I, well, that's all the that's what all the jokes are. He's yeah. so bad. He, he's, he can't beat the tutorial. It takes two or three minutes for him to figure out how to jump over a block. Mm-hmm. With the you know the buttons that he needs to press are on the screen, and he just kind of keeps running into it and jumping halfway up and shooting it and running backwards and ducking for some reason. And I I can't tell if uh it, it almost seems like a publicity stunt to get uh, attention because it's so bad that it almost seems like he's playing it up. Yeah, it's um, but it's uh. Oh, boy. It's, it, it's hard to tell though, because because the video is twenty six minutes long, and if you skip ahead, where he actually beats the part, I, I, I don't, I don't think he's, I just don't think he really knows what the fuck he's supposed to be doing, like throughout the whole thing. Yeah, oh. he he starts level one, and level one works a lot like Mario, where there's pretty much just a Goomba walking towards you, and he gets hit by that thing like four times in a row. I will say though, and for those who don't know, Cuphead is a, it's a platformer, but it's also a very um, heavy shooting based one. And there's there are it, it does there are a lot of enemies on screen even in level one as you get a it little bit hectic. further into it. It gets pretty heavy or hard. Um, one of the things that the, that this guy was doing though was it seemed like he was trying to kill every enemy that came on screen, so he'd start backing up and shooting at the people who kind of like you know he could just jump over them and keep going. And that yeah, was he—he he was playing their game wrong. 
yeah, it was really much. frustrating to me where it's just like, just shoot what you can and just go forward. And he'd be like, oh, I got to kill everybody. It's very frustrating. Like there's a, I think this came out on Tuesday and there have been so many like viral videos on YouTube of people like, hey, can you watch all 26 minutes without like biting your jaw off because you have to cringe so hard <laughs> because it's painful to watch him struggle. Yeah, and you know if if he's just bad at video games, it's like well, who cares? But he's he describes himself as a game journalist, and people calling him out on Twitter, he's like defending himself in the weirdest ways, where he's telling other people like, "Well, I want to see you do better," and I don't think I'm that bad at the game. I think this is more commentary on Cuphead's uh, game design than my skill, and it's raising some questions about you know what is a what is a game reviewer like what is what qualifies you to judge if a game is good or not because if you can't uh shoot in a shooter if you have trouble jumping in a platformer are you allowed to critique the game and affect its whole like meta score or it's a really difficult question to answer we you know i've been playing like i've been playing lawbreakers we've talked about this a bit before um, you know, it's an arena shooter, it's very fast, it's got a high skill ceiling. If you're bad at shooters and you play that to review it, you're going to have a fucking miserable time. Because there's really a threshold to how well you need to be to, to succeed in that game. At the same time, when it comes back, going back to Cuphead, I do think some of the stuff, because he actually wrote an article about this with the video on their website. And he said, you know, it took me a, a long time to figure out that I could switch the gun I was shooting from a, a single shot to kind of a shotgun shot. Now, to me, that's on the game to not tell him that. Like, the game should, in some way, be like, hey, you can you can do multiple... You have multiple weapons on your person. That's um, fair. At one point, he, though, he, at one point, at the end, he's like, you know, I jumped into a tree and I died because you know, of the canopy or whatever. And if you roll, rewind and watch that part of the video, there's a, oh, an enemy spawning behind him, so he actually just jumped into the enemy. And so it's like, well, no, that's on you. Yeah, that and also... There's parts in the video where he'll he'll jump and he'll land and then like face backwards and start shooting at nothing while another enemy's walking towards him. And it doesn't look like he's purposefully like aiming to the side or like he made a mistake. It almost looks like there's something wrong with the controller. Like he's using the stick and he was trying to aim down, but like the stick got too sensitive and pushed him to the other side or something. And it's like it, it's difficult to judge if he's actually doing something very, very wrong or if he's just trying to represent being an average gamer. But it also kind of raises the question of, like, do I don't know. Someone was trying to say, like, hey, if you don't direct movies, you're not allowed to be a movie critic. And it just, that doesn't compare the same way. And so where do it, you It kind of does, line, though, because you know? it's, a, it's a ridiculous statement. Um, and I... It's one of those, you shouldn't have to be... Uh, because anybody can go and buy a video game, and if they play it, they—I mean—they have an opinion on it, whether it's informed yeah. or not—is the the story. And this is Venture Beat, not like IGN or Gamespot or some like major website mm-hmm. that you know is known for video game coverage, like Polygon. <laughs> I know the article said something like it took him a while to realize that if he jumped on a bad guy, it didn't die like in Mario. Which you'd think you'd try that once, and when it didn't fucking work, you wouldn't try it again. Oh, yeah, see that? You're allowed to try that once, but you tried it. 
he oh did you see the part um before the level started he walked up to an npc and talked to it like three times in a row and he says the same thing each time and the second time that he talks to the npc it's like okay you're testing that he doesn't say something else Mm -hmm. there's no reason to test that a third time i hate i just that games uh, sometimes do that where the npcs talk more than once like dark souls does that a bit too you, yeah, you can miss stuff too easily. You can miss stuff, and, and like, I don't want to fucking talk to him over and over again. It's like, oh, you gotta talk to him again, he'll give you something, and it's like, why can't you just give it to me right away? Let's, let's just skip the middleman here. Yeah, if it's relevant, then make it relevant. Because, uh, well, you, uh, you review comic books. Yep. What's your review process? Like, how many times do you read a book? How How long do you sleep on it? Uh, do you go out and draft your own comic book that's better and then critique it based on comparing it <laughs> to your own <laughs> art? Um, some th- I, I generally, at this point, since I read so many for the Comic Stash podcast, I generally just read them once. Um, last year, I, I, w- I would have said I read them twice. Um, as far as sleeping on it, I, half the time I will read a book and then 10 minutes later I will start writing the review. So it'll be very gut reaction. Um, and then I'll schedule it, and then in the morning I'll skim it, and if I I'm like, okay, that's how I still feel, I'll keep it, and if it's not, I'll I'll delete it before it goes up. It's not very professional. It, well, I don't know. It, comic books aren't that long, either. No, and that's the thing is, you know, it takes between 10 and 20 minutes to read a comic book. Um, and there's only so many words you generally have to say on, a, on an experience that only takes between 10 and 20 minutes. Yeah. I'm just thinking, like, I I would not want to be the guy that has to review Bloodborne. Yeah. Because that would be a task, to say the least. Yeah, I don't know how you... I mean, I guess it's one of those, if I were to score Bloodborne, I'd give it a very high score, but there would be, like, probably three or four paragraphs in that review of but. And it's one of those things where these buts don't factor into the score that much, but they're very much there. If you reviewed a video game... Would you review it more on, like, the piece of art that it is, or the amount of fun you had playing a game? Um, in general, I try to go, it's been a while since I've had to review a video game, but I, I try to go with, with fun. Because at the end of the day, that is the experience I want out of a video game. Yeah, that's how I feel too, and I just, I don't know that I've ever found a video game reviewer that uh, is putting that at the forefront. Like, I just don't even trust online journalists anyways, so I don't even know why people are talking about this guy. Yeah. <laughs> like, why give him so much attention? It, it's kind of a pet peeve of mine when you go into a video game review, especially when that's not an RPG, and the first thing that people talk about is the story. And to me, a vi- yeah. the story in a video game is the least important part of it, unless it's a Telltale game. You know, it, gameplay first, because that's how you're interacting, and that's what's going to be fun or not. And then... The story is maybe the reason you're there, so you do that next. Maybe. It almost depends on the game. Like, I think you buy Bioshock for the story, and it's a really abysmal shooter that you can, like, brain dead walk through. You know, Dean Takahashi could do Bioshock. He'd be fine. <laughs> and I don't know. The overall experience is really hard to judge because, like, you, you said earlier about just. How do you judge difficulty because one person's easy is going to be another person's hard? You know, I I would love to get my hands on Cuphead and show Dean that I'm better than him, 
but at the same time, I don't even have an Xbox, so I'll never touch the game. Sure. So it's like, if if I'm not actually being hands-on, I'm not allowed to tell him that he's bad, except for those bits that he's clearly just being stupid, but there were some, like, tight moments where it's like, oh, I don't even know how do you deal with that enemy when there's, like, five of them on you, and people are, like, laughing at him for dying. And it's like, well, let's draw the line somewhere, you know? Yeah, because th- there were parts of that game that actually did look difficult, and so it's like, yeah, I probably would have died here, too. There's a lot of of uh, bad guys on the screen. Yeah, and it's supposed to be are... a hard game. Yeah. It um, was just really frustrating watching him struggle on a tutorial where nothing's attacking him. Yeah. Actually, back in 2015, holy shit, I, I reviewed a, an indie game called Jotun. It was uh, kickstarted. And that was a very difficult game. It was a uh, the basis was you basically you fought like five bosses and it was over. So you had to go through the level. It wasn't a whole lot of, of, of bad guys. It was a lot of mostly puzzles. And you fought the bosses. And um, it definitely like kind of factored into the into the score a little bit. You know, like some of these bosses are goddamn hard. But also, you know, the one of the pro features on it was the last boss was 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 really hard, but it was fun. So. I don't know. It, it's a matter of, I guess, making it feel fair. Yeah, that's. I guess that's the tricky part. Um, like uh, Twin Princes and Dark Souls, who I beat a couple days ago. The first phase, every once in a while, the guy will teleport behind you, or just away from you, and it'll break. You know your lock on. And sometimes right. that, and sometimes you get it back right away because you, he's not directly behind you, and you can you find him and you can dodge. And and other times. You see him back there, but you're not locked on, and so you might be you dodge in the wrong direction, and he hits you anyways. And that doesn't it doesn't always feel fair. It feels like the game just fucked me because of where the enemy decided to to teleport. I can't quickly get my my bearings because of the way the camera works in the game, and that's frustrating. Yeah, yeah. When a game breaks, it's it's hard sometimes. And and like you were saying too about um. You know, sometimes like indie games are going out of their way to be harder, mm-hmm. but then they're not skillfully made like a Dark Souls would be. So it's like, oh, look at this roguelike. You you die all the time. And it's like, well, yeah, because the jump button only works half the time. Yeah. Or it's not registering the, the hits there or something. And it's like it, Dark Souls almost made a fad of games being hard for the sake of it. There was a, a game podcast I listened to that kind of brought that up, that we're going to start getting the first wave of games that were influenced by the first Dark Souls game. It's going to be interesting to see how they handle difficulty, if they're going to do it smartly, or if they're going to just be fucking difficult for the sake of it. Yeah. I, I, I'm going to keep an eye on those, too. Like, Neo came out. Mm-hmm. And that was almost the same thing, where it's trying to be a Souls kind of difficult game. But then people were immediately figuring out, like, oh, if you just use this one item, then it makes all the bosses die that much faster. And it was like in the first week, people are beating the game, and it just didn't feel the same kind of, a, you know, stressful, engaging experience. Sure. I think that was the game that actually started that discussion on the podcast was Neo. Yeah, I think that's the first uh, copycat, and there's going to be several coming up. It's it's weird because a lot of it has to do with how how well I think the games hold your hand versus they don't, and so 
and I I had a bit of a problem with that with Bloodborne and Dark Souls, but I had my brother there like, hey, what the fuck does this stat do? Because the game doesn't seem to want to tell me, and I don't want to read through all my menus to find it. Right. Um, so you can tell me. But like, I remember in Bloodborne, the second boss, I want to say his name is Father Ligarius. He's really the first boss that you have to fight him like you're supposed to play the game. Because if you don't, he's going to kill you. So it means timing your dodges correctly, timing your weapon slashes correctly, and actually, you know, being patient. Um, so it's like, well, at least that boss is there. Like, there's one before it that's easier, and there's a handful of bad guys that you can maybe just kind of full-on tackle, but this boss is, the you know, the kind of the first roadblock, and it, it's going to force you to learn. But it doesn't entirely teach you. Like, it doesn't say, like, hey, kill this boss by doing this. There's no, like, hint. It's just you have to learn on your own. And, I mean, it comes down to, like, you know, some people are going to be fine with that and think that's really cool, and other people are going to be like, that's where they put the game down, but like, this is too hard. Right. And I think the um this first wave of games that are gonna be copycats are, I think are they're gonna fuck that part up and they're they're gonna have less of an introductory fight where like this is where you learn how and more. They're gonna throw you into the something very difficult and they're gonna assume you know how to play this kind of game because it's a copycat. Or they won't even understand what makes it difficult and like that layer won't even exist. Yeah. You know, it depends how skillfully it's actually done. I remember a couple of years ago, a game called Bone by Flame came out by uh, the oh, Spiders. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember. And that. that game, I feel like it was it was trying to be Dark Soulsy, and that everything hit really, really hard. But then it didn't have like a stamina meter, so that one part of the gameplay that makes these games really engaging, where you're monitoring this meter, was gone. And then the gameplay itself was very hack and slashy, and so you're trading blows, but you get hit so fucking hard that you can't trade blows. And um, I made it about two hours in that thing before I noped the fuck out, because it was just excruciating. It's just not going anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and that's what really kills it. I mean, because, like you were saying, when you struggle against a Dark Souls boss for a while, it's super satisfying when you actually overcome it, but that point has to actually happen. Mm-hmm. And there's a there's a threshold there where if you struggle for too long, you'll stop caring. My roommate's never beaten Dark Souls three, and he's got two bosses left, and he he stopped on the Nameless King because he could not fucking kill him, and so mm -hmm. he 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 put however many hours into it, couldn't do it, and was just like, oh, fuck it, I guess I just didn't beat this game. I don't you know I don't know what the right answer is. Um, I have less of a problem not finishing a game than other people, you know, if it stops being fun. Yeah, and I think with uh, with some of these harder games, they're not for everyone. Oh, you know what's... Oh, uh, this is frustrating. They're coming out with a new Monster Hunter that's on PS4. And that's a series that's very notorious for being difficult to get into. And it's been slowly getting popularity, but they keep slowly making it easier to play. Huh. And this PS4 version is like... It's very hand-holdy. And they're taking out a lot of the, the like, commitment choices. Like, normally when you start a level, you have to pick the weapon you're bringing, and that's it. And now, we can just swap out whatever weapon. Like, if a different oh. anything, you know, something happens. Oh, you, wanna, you want your bow now? Yeah, you can just do that. And it's, it's not changing the gameplay, but it's giving you more tools that remove some of the arbitrary challenge. And that's rubbing some uh, hardcore fans the wrong way. I don't... 
I don't see what the problem would be if you add, you know, an easy mode and you add a hard mode. And a hard mode is what the normal fans want, and easy mode is what every you know, is the accessible mode. Um, I know yeah. Dark Souls fans get very upset when you mention that, at least historically online. And it, it's just like, you still get you still get your Dark Souls that you want, and you can brag to people you beat the game because it's difficult and you're really good at video games. But now, other people who are interested in the world building, maybe, or the lore, or maybe they just like the way it tells a story, now they can play it too. Like, I don't see why we can't have both things. You know, not, we're, we're only gaining something, we're not losing anything. Yeah, usually. I mean, when I, I play... When well, I play it's kind of like a, a badge of honor, almost. That it's like, oh, that game that does not have an easy mode? Well, I conquered it. And even if uh, you can still brag that you defeated something on the hard difficulty, if someone else is beating it on easy and they're getting all the trophies anyways, it's like the game gets written off. I suppose. I feel like that's that's like on the player, though. Just Oh, it, it totally is. You know, that's a perception problem. Like, uh, when I play shooters, uh, you know, if I buy, like, when I bought Doom last year, I played through that on, like, the hardest difficulty, because I play a lot of shooters on the PC, and I figure that's going to be the difficulty for me, you know? Um, I don't care that there's a medium or easy difficulty for other people who maybe suck at aiming. Right. Oh, I just got Destiny 2, and I'm loving the game, but it's kind of weird, because I'm maybe a third of the way through the story, and I haven't died once. And I'm just kind of, I'm enjoying the story, but I almost want the gameplay to get a little trickier just so that I don't get bored halfway through the level. Sure. You know what I mean? It's like the opposite problem somehow. My brother picked that up and I think my other roommate, yeah, he did as well. So that'll be their thing for a while, which is cool. Yeah. I, uh, I really love how the opening works though, because they make you care about the fact that it's a sequel. Like, it's not just more of the same. It's like, did you see the opening? I did not. It's it's kind of neat because uh, it does like a kind of cinematic thing about the universe and the traveler and the light and then the darkness and all that, you know, pronoun garbage. Mm-hmm. But then, or proper noun. But what's kind of funny is uh, there's like this loading screen where it has this like parchment with the etchings and the etchings are your achievements from the first game. So it has the date that you defeated the final boss and your friends that you're playing with. Oh, that's cool. And then like the, like the raid bosses and stuff. And it has like pictures of you and your friends defeating the, the boss and like the way it's stories that are going to be told through history. And it makes this emotional connection. And then the first level is, uh, you're actually defending, your base of operations that's under attack. And so you, you know, you're running through these areas that you know, and the walls are like blown down and the buildings on fire. And it's just kind of like, it gets to you in a way that feels really important. And it's really cheesy how they, uh, they prey on you in a way. Like it's all just tricks, but it's so exciting to see a story being told that way. Yeah. That's that's its own thing, you know, video games and, and the way they tell stories. Because some of them do a pretty good job, and some of them do not. And there's still that saying, you know, it's a good story for a video game. Yeah, it's like you have to qualify it every time. Yeah. Like, the few exceptions to that rule are probably, like, made by Naughty Dog. You know, I went to uh, one of these weeks we should talk about, like, world building. 
yeah, we could do that. I might I actually have to be a put fun notes topic. together for that so I don't sound like a rambling dumbass. Yeah, I might actually have to think about it on a couple weeks, too. I feel like I came off as a bit of a rambling dumbass in this one. Actually, me too. It's weird. I I thought I had more to say, but then you would cover all my talking points, and it's like, oh, I guess we talked about Dark Souls. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, no, it's okay. It's just, it's funny that we're on the exact same page, because I'm used to going back and forth with you. Sure. Um, We're at, what, 55 minutes? I feel like I had something else to say, and it, it fucking left. Oh, man, I was holding back a sneeze, and it just won't come. That's oh, good podcast material. Yeah. Oh, boy. Oh, okay. So, do, what do you think about the phrase, like, Dark Souls as a qualifier for difficulty? Like, when someone says, like, is is Zelda Breath of the Wild or the Dark Souls of Zelda games? Um, I think, I think, I think a couple things about it. The first is that it kind of makes sense because those games are are hard. And so people want to know, hey, is this as hard because oh, this is the hard game I play? But I think there's also kind of a level of pretentiousness to it where, like, oh, I beat Dark Souls and I want more hard games. So is this going to be, like, the thing I can beat? You know, is this going to be something that the commoner is not going to be able to is, you know, tackle properly because it's so hard? It's not going to be... I don't know. There's, there's a certain level of, like, depending on the context and the tone in which it's said, it can be kind of, uh, you I know, the whole get good mentality. Like time. I'm really sick of hearing it. No. Like every time. Did you watch that Mega Sixty Four? It was like they had a Dark Souls news network where they just talk about the Dark Souls of everything. Oh no! But and that sounds like, wonderful. It's like is Obamacare the Dark Souls of healthcare, and everyone's going <laughs> to die? <laughs> it is. Is soy milk the Dark Souls of uh, milk? It's just a. It's like a stream of panic about how everything's extreme. I think. Oh, part but of you it know is... what? Hmm. Uh, comedy night is the Dark Souls of human interaction. Now that that is a box book that for works. that game. I still need to do a write up on that goddamn trash heap of a experience. <laughs> I think I think uh... calling something the Dark Souls of something is it's become a meme now, where it's just I don't even know if it's even being pretentious half the time, or if it's just people. Being jokey, trying to be jokey, or you know, I'm I'm in with this crowd because I know the vernacular. It's I don't know, the internet's so fucking weird that way. It is. The Cash Me Outside all, girl did a rap song. It changes too fast. And it's just like I don't know what to do anymore with the internet. I can't handle it. Young people these days. Oh, I have become that old man that yells at the cloud. I have, but that's because Final Fantasy VII is overrated. <laughs> I've never played Final Fantasy VII. I get, like, I want to say 10 minutes into it, and it's like, I can't do this anymore. I want, like, I want, to, I want the novelization of it. Everyone says the story's really good. It's like, well, I'll read it then. I don't want to play it. Oh, if it's well, a... you know what? Get the, uh, no, get the remake they're doing. Because oh, yeah. it's an action game now. And Actually, it's going to be abridged. I could do that. The thing is, I doubt that game probably has a good story, because most JRPGs I've played don't. That includes some of the other Final Fantasy games. Like, they're fine, but they're high fantasy. Hooray. I think there are parts that are kind of neat, but really it's like, it's a good story if uh, you don't read a lot of books and you play a lot of video games. So it's like, yeah, compared to Mario, it's a really great story. Sure. It's really deep. It's a good story for a video game. Bring that back. But I, really I, ha- I haven't played it. It could be good. Man, you're like, you're right every time. 
<laughs> okay, well, did you have anything else to talk about? Um, no, I think I'm tapped. Okay. Well, we can do a glad space where we talk about something nice. Could do that. Uh, so today we, we we really only talked about video games. So I want to recommend a video game podcast I've been listening to. It's called uh, Final Encounter Cast. And these guys are actually, they're very uh, professional. Like they have nice recording equipment and they're actually, uh, they do a radio show on actual radio that's like broadcast across the country. Huh. And uh, the the professionalism really makes a difference. Like if you listen to a lot of podcasts, you're going to be impressed by these guys because they don't do stuff like we do. Like, <laughs> and then the dark souls of podcasts. <laughs> it's none of that. Uh, so I really recommend Final Encounter Cast or Limit Brick Radio. They kind of... They do more than one show. It's the same guys. So if you look up one of those, you'll find the other. Cool. Um, I guess I've been reading a Stephen King book, and that's been fun. I don't. I'm not going to recommend that book. I am going to recommend him as an author. There's just something about Stephen King's writing that it's so it's so his own. He's so good at characters and just letting things go wherever the fuck they want. So, you know, if you're in the mood for a book and, you, you know, you're like, hey, I haven't read Stephen King in a while or maybe I haven't read him at all. Um, yeah, go, go snag a Stephen King novel and, and see, see how that treats you. Because every time I read a Stephen King book, I'm usually just I'm, I'm like, I'm in for a good time. Even if I don't quite like the book, I'm usually still in for a really good time. Did you ever see uh, Maximum Overdrive? That's the one where the cars try to kill people. Yeah. I haven't seen it, but I, it's pretty notorious. Did you ever see the trailer? Because Stephen King introduces it. Does he? I haven't seen it. Well, he directed it. Yeah, he did. And I'm pretty sure he's very ashamed of of what he did. Well, the thing is that while he was directing that movie, he was on, like, a lot of cocaine. Yep. And it's just really funny because it shows in just how manic and messy the whole film is. And he, during the trailer, he's just talking to you, the audience. And he's like, I had a lot of fun making this film. And it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, you bet you did. I and know, he's uh... like, I'm going to scare the heck out of you. Like it's a threat or something. And then it shows the Green Goblin truck like smashing through a wall. And it's like, I don't think so. I so I recommend you look up that trailer because it's funny. He wrote um, the Tommyknockers while... Uh coked out of his mind and the the book is kind I, of about cocaine and like addiction in general and it, it is very I divisive i love stephen king he's a hoot yeah he wrote cujo well he was just like so drunk he doesn't remember writing cujo <laughs> he's like i wish i did remember because i quite like how that book turned out did you ever see that interview between uh it was like george rr R. martin and stephen king and yeah. um and like Martin's like, do you ever get, do you ever just have a thought in your mind that you're just, it's stuck and you can't get it out onto paper and you know what's there, but you just can't write it the the right way. And it's, it's like, it's on the tip of your tongue, but it's like, you're constipated with your, your writing. And then he's like, no. Yeah. And that, sometimes I wonder and if that's a problem with, with, with Stephen King. It's like, I, I feel like there's certain books. It's like, yeah, that probably didn't need to exist. You didn't have to do a sequel to The Shining. Was it was okay, but at the same time, 
I well, I'd almost rather have it than not because it's another Stephen King book, and like I said, his there's something about his writing style that really makes me happy. Yeah, he's got real talent. Unlike us, who were just ending the podcast. Oh, that's a good way to end this. I like it. Goodbye, everyone. Hi. My name is Stephen King. I've written several motion pictures, but I want to tell you about a movie called Maximum Overdrive, which is the first one I've directed. Wow. What in the dickens is going on around here? A lot of people have directed Stephen King novels and stories, and I finally decided if you want something done right, you ought to do it yourself. And who was driving it? I don't know. It was my first picture as a director, and you know something? I sort of enjoyed it. What is going on? I don't know! I just wanted someone to do Stephen King right. You want a war? You got one. I just want to get the hell out of here. So come and spend some time with me and my friends at the Dixie Boy. Spend some time in the dark. Please don't let us be in the dark. I'm gonna scare the hell out of you. And that's a promise. You're gonna get us in an awful lot of trouble, man. We already in trouble. Maximum terror. Jesus coming and he is. Maximum king. Maybe tomorrow will be our world again. Dino De Laurentiis presents Stephen King's Maximum Overdrive.